Let's go back to Acts chapter 6. Acts chapter 6. I'm just going to I'm going to continue on with some things that I was doing in the last session. Um it's not running. No, it is running. That's good. Sorry on the broadcast. I was just going and checking back there. All right. Acts chapter 6. Verse 1. Now in those days when the number of the disciples was getting less and less, was staying the same, was multiplying and increasing. And we were talking about the fact that God's a God who multiplies. God's a God of increase. And uh, the kingdom of God is, is, is a kingdom of increase. Um, and we need, we, we need to make sure we think like God thinks in this area. Just because it's not popular, just because not every Christian likes to think like this, just because some the Christians tell us it's wrong to think like this, doesn't mean it's wrong. The Word of God presents a God who is a God who increases things, who multiplies things. In fact, He looks for fruit. He looks for increase. It's, it, it, everything He's involved in, His nature is, is, is that He wants things to increase. First instruction to man, Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, be fruitful and multiply. What is fruit? Fruit is the increase. Um, and, and, and I'll, say, I'll repeat some things that I was saying a week ago in Warrington, but everything about God, God looks for fruit. You see a number of the parables when, when, when Jesus talked about someone who gave a responsibility over, the, over their field or over their land. It says the land overcame seeking the fruit. That, that phrase is repeated too many times just to be extra phrasing the story. It's repeated through parable after parable, the principle. Jesus told parables about seeds. And he likened the word to a seed, the kingdom to a seed. Um, Isaiah chapter 9, for unto us a child is born, unto us a, you know, and it goes on, the well-known prophecy about Jesus, the whole chapter really. And then it says of the increase, uh, uh, sorry, uh, 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 what does it say about his government? Of, it, of it, the increase, the increase, there shall be, what does it say? No end. This is the nature of God throughout his word. Increase, multiplication, growth. Growth is increase, isn't it? Are we supposed to be growing in our spiritual lives? Are we supposed to spiritually stay static? Or just taper off and become just, you know, well, static. I don't call think of another word. Stagnant. No, everything about God. God looks for growth. He looks for increase. He looks for multiplication. When he makes an investment into your life, when he puts his word into your life, is it so that you can go back and say, well, here's your word back? No. He, he invests his word as a seed. 
because he's looking for the multiplication. He's looking for the fruit. He's looking for the, 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 the increase and the harvest and the fruit. Is he waiting for the precious fruit of the earth? Do you see how much this is all over the word? Every time you see the word fruit, that's talking about increase. Farmers don't sow one seed to get one seed back. Be a very unproductive business if they did. When they're getting fruit out of a tree, it's an increase that's taken place. That's what fruit is. It's production, it's growth. We're in a kingdom of growth. We're in a kingdom of that, of, that should be producing when, when the, the kingdom of God comes into your life, production should be happening. Jesus, uh, sorry, Paul looked at people and he, he would, Paul expected them to be growing spiritually. And when they weren't growing spiritually, he was basically saying something's wrong for when for the time you ought to be teachers. You need someone to teach you again. Why are you not growing? The body of Christ, Ephesians 4. Is supposed to be a growing unit. Do you see this all over the world? Everywhere you look, it sort of refers to fruit, refers to growth, refers to increase in some way. Why? Because this is very core to who God is. Should it become core to how we think and how we operate? Should, should, should we align to God or should we just... Go, go with the people who say, oh, these things don't really matter in the church. Oh, who's right, them or the word? Should we align to our God thing? Should we be a people who put our faith on, 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 on God increasing and multiplying and causing growth? All of these things are connected. Fruit, growth, increase. They're all in some way the same principle. So the number of disciples in Acts 6 were doing what? Increasing, multiplying. We saw in the last session a number of scriptures. This is repeated in Acts. Why? Because it's important. Because he's presenting to us this is the church. Is the church supposed to be advancing and increasing and multiplying? Should we become content with less than that? No, we, sh we should not. Should we get before God? Well, yes, we should. Is it possible? Should we put our faith on this? What if, we've been being, what if we've been putting our faith on it for years and it hasn't happened yet? Should we just quit? I'll, God's looking for the kind of people who won't quit no matter what. God's looking for the kind of people when God says, get on and do a job. Doesn't matter how long it takes. But they keep getting on with the job. Moses, God told Moses to build, a, uh, no, not Moses, Noah, to build an ark. He didn't do it for a few years and then get discouraged and oh, well, 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 I'm quitting. He kept at it until the task was done. That's the kind of quality of people God's looking for. But we keep at it. We keep moving in that direction. Why? We, we believe God is a God who brings growth and increase and in fruit. We put our faith on it. So the number of disciples was multiplying. multiplying. Now, uh, th that's first one. In fact, keep going. I'm going to say some things about verse 2 and then we'll get further down. There arose a complaint against the Hebrews by the Hellenists. I said this in a meeting, um, one of our Zoom meetings recently. If there was a complaint happening in the church, who do you think they were complaining against? 
doesn't say it in the verse, but, but if this was happening today and they were complaining, someone was complaining in church, who would be complaining again? Leadership. <laughs> doesn't state it, but then something's not working, right? Who usually gets complained against? The leadership. So they had people complaining even in the book of Acts against the leaders. Things weren't, weren't perfect in, in being done always the way people wanted it to be done. Amen? They got it fixed, though, okay? But, you know, there were some people who didn't, they, they felt they were being a bit neglected and complained. So even that's, that's scriptural. <laughs> but verse 2, then the, then the twelve summoned the multitude of the disciples and said, it is not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Now, is it because they had a problem serving tables? Did the apostle, were the apostles saying we're above serving tables? Is it because the apostles were not good servants? Didn't have a serving heart? No. There's two things in what they say here. It's not desirable that, one, we should leave the word of God, and two, and serve tables. Why? Because serving tables would take them away from their role. Their God-given role was the handling of the word in that situation as the leadership. Yes. Some people think the leader's primary role is to do all the practical things. Someone else can do the practical things. Do you realize that God raises people up with specific roles? It doesn't mean the leader doesn't have a serving heart. But Tony read the passage. Each member in the body is to do their part. Yeah. If the hand should say, "I want," I, well, no, no, you, you know, I want to do the bit of the foot. And no, I know you're a hand, but you should also do the bit of a foot. <laughs> should we do the bit that's our role, our part? Yes, we must do the bit that's our part. One of the reasons the, the body struggles to grow, and in fact, Ephesians four says this: it will grow when each part does their bit. One of the things hindering the growth is in a lot of church environments, they, they want the leader to do it all. While the other people sit and do not, nothing. Praise God, in this church, people get involved. I'm not preaching against you, but I'm saying, when the leader's doing everything, it's one of the reasons sometimes growth can't happen. What should we be doing? What should our heart be? We should want to release our leaders as much as possible to do what they need to do. What's the primary role of the leaders? The, the, the ministry of the word. The spiritual side. Ephesians 4 says they're there to equip. He gave apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. For? No, no. The, for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. The implication is that the saints do the work of the ministry. The apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher equip the saints yeah. to do the work of the ministry doesn't say the pastor does the work of the ministry. It says the pastor equips. How does he equip? What equips us spiritually? What equips us? The Word. 2 Timothy, 3, 2 Timothy or 1 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 says all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. And then it goes on and says the man of God may be already equipped. Fully equipped, equipping. Now notice this. He doesn't say 
The apostle does this. The purpose of the apostle is this. The purpose of the prophet is this. The purpose of the, pa purpose of the pastor is this. He says, the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher are all have the same purpose. What? The equipping of the saints. He doesn't say they all have five different purposes. They might do it slightly different because, because of the, the grace and gifting, but they all have that same one primary focus. <coughs> what, did the apostle, what, did the, what did the apostle say in Acts 6? I, I didn't quite mean to preach all the same message I was preaching the other night, but we'll, we'll do it anyway. But it's important. What did he say in Acts chapter 6, verse 2? 12, some in the multitude of the disciples. It is not desirable that we should leave the word of God. What didn't, what was their priority not to leave? Catch this, catch this. Catch this. Did the apostles say, it's not desirable that we stop prophesying over people and, and go and serve tables? I'm not saying it's wrong to prophesy over people. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not getting into that. I'm not even getting whether it's right or wrong. Did the did they? I'm just. I just want to point something out. Did the apostles say it's not desirable that we stop laying hands on everybody? And and and, and serve tables. Can the minister lay hands upon them? Can they prophesy? Over, they can. I'm not saying don't. I'm just. What was the one thing? that they said it's not desirable, we stop. Capture this. A lot of times people, when they think about the book of Acts, they think about the move of the Spirit. Yeah. And we've talked about that. I've talked about the Spirit upon. I've talked about the role of the Holy Spirit, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Many people, when they think about the book of Acts, thinks about a Spirit-filled church. But you see, they, ha they haven't seen this... The book of Acts Christianity was a word and a spirit church. That's why many people are trying to duplicate the book of Acts by doing it just with the spirit. The disciples did not, the apostles did not say, it's not desirable that we stop flowing with the Holy Spirit and serve table. Does that mean they didn't flow with the Holy Spirit? Does it mean they didn't believe in the Holy Spirit? No, they certainly believed in the Holy Spirit. The role of the Holy Spirit in their life was massive. Yeah. But what do they highlight in the sentence? It's not desirable that we leave the Word. Why? The Word of God has got to hold a central place in the church. When the word of God is shifted off, when, when a minister's priority becomes the things of the spirit, not the things of the word, something's shifting off. Yeah. You know me, I'm going to just say, boldly say what I need to say. Turn the video off if you don't like it, I don't mind. Apostles did not say, it's not desirable that we stop flowing with the Holy Spirit. I agree. Listen to me. I agree with flowing with the Holy Spirit. I'm not minimizing the flow of the Holy Spirit. But I'm showing what did they say? What, what was the one thing they said they must do? The Word. 
Why? Book of Acts Christianity, the Word of God played a central role. You will not duplicate Book of Acts Christianity by just having the move of the Holy Spirit. The Word of God was central in the lives of the ministers and it was central in the life of the church. They protected the role of the Word. Many Christians think that you're only, you, 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 we're only going to get back to the book of Acts when we have the move of the Holy Spirit. Please understand me. I've taught on the move of the Holy Spirit. I've taught on the miraculous. I've taught, you can go back through my YouTube channel. You'll find I'll talk about the miraculous, the move of the Holy Spirit. I've got teachings on the Holy Spirit. Whole courses available online on the Holy Spirit. I've got sessions on the, 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 the Holy Spirit upon. I had no problem with the Holy Spirit. Please don't say I've got a problem with the Holy Spirit. But we're not going to get a book of Acts church with just the Holy Spirit. Yes, please be full of the Spirit. Please flow with the Spirit. Please have the Spirit of God flowing and manifesting through your life. But pushing aside the Word and just emphasizing the Spirit will not produce a book of Acts church. Paul knew that. Peter knew that. James knew that. John knew that. Many leaders today don't know that. Word of God's got to be given the, given the central role. It's not desirable that we should leave the Word of God and serve tables. Is this important, what they said? Why? The, the, these 12, the apostles, understood something. They understood the Word of God's got to be given the place and the role that it needs to have. Now, they were the leaders it was their job and their role to minister the word. And should, again, should we want our leaders operating in the word? This is just side, side thoughts as well. If we want our ministers, first of all, we, 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 I mean, we do want our ministers flowing with the Holy Spirit, don't we? we also, but we also want them ministering the word. If we want our leaders, our pastors, delivering high-quality word messages and flowing with the Holy Spirit, then it, need, it should be a priority to us to release them to have time with God during the week. How many of you know, you don't just step in a pulpit and flow with the Holy Spirit, and the word just flow through your mouth and high-quality messages after having no time, not spent any time with God during the week? Takes time and preparation. Many churches, their biggest priority is how many people, how many, how, how many, whether the pastor was in the church office all week, and how many people he had coffee with all week, you know, and how many hours he spent talking to all the church people on the phone all week. Other people can do that. What's, what's the role of the, of the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher? For the equipping of the saints. The, the, the apostles understood this has got to be a central role. You do all the other roles, all the practical things, and not spend proper time with God, and you might have a church where, where everyone loves their pastor because he has coffee with everybody. But when you, how many of you understand, we're in the things of God. 
when we shift priority off God's priority, things don't work. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added. Anytime in the Bible you shift priority, when we seek the things and not the kingdom, then the priorities go out of sync. But it's the same like this in any area, even in the ministry, when, the, when, when, the, when our ministers shift priority off something, something doesn't connect in the church right. And it ought to be important to each one of us. And on the idea that the primary role of our pastors should be getting in the presence of God and growing in the Word of God themselves. Because I want them to be delivering and releasing high-quality Word when they preach. Feeding people in the church. Other people can come say, I'll, I'll do the other jobs. We'll do the other tasks. Release our ministers. Release the fivefold ministry to be functioning in this way properly. As much as possible. Because without this, things get held back. Why did things happen the way they did in the book of Acts? Because the, the apostles made this a priority. They were, they were the leaders at that time. Obviously, the leadership grew as the church grew. But in Acts 6, you see, they kept that priority. That's got to be central priority. And then what did they say? We will give ourselves to... I don't have the full text right in front of me. Select six men. Select Was it six? Seven. <laughs> verse 3, select seven men. Verse 4. But we will give ourselves continually to what? Prayer and the ministry of the word. Now, now, now they bring prayer in as well. Not just intellectual students of the word, but people who are hearing from God, getting in the presence of God. Is it important that all Christians do this? But is it extra important that our leaders are doing this? You're not going to produce a revival by going to a course on how to get your church to grow. You're going to produce a revival by getting in the Word and prayer. Yeah. <laughs> if you've got a bit of spare time after you've done the amount of praying you should be doing as a minister, then go and do a course on how to grow a church as well as an extra. But if that's your central priority and you're not getting in the Word of God and prayer, you ain't going to produce a move of God. have the move and the manifestation of God in our churches when our leaders are dried up. Yeah? <clears throat> so should it be a priority? The apostles knew it was a priority. They kept it as a priority. Why do you think things happen in the book of Acts the way they did? Is it because they held conferences on how to grow your church? No. It's because their ministers, their leaders were living and walking in the presence of God and in the Word of God day in, day out. And if the enemy can undermine this, you know, leaders out of the presence of God, you're never going to end up with a book of Acts Christianity. Because if the leaders, who did God give to equip the saints? I said it a minute ago, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. <coughs> now, if they, they're not in the presence of God and not in the word of God, are the saints going to be properly equipped? And if the saints are not properly equipped, 
will the saints properly do the work of the ministry? And if the saints do not properly do the work of the ministry, will the body grow because each joint is properly giving its supply? Each, bit has, each of these things has a knock-on effect. So how does the enemy shut this whole thing down? One of the ways, let's go all the way back to the first part of the process. Apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher for the equipping of the saints. Get them so caught up in all the natural things of the church that they're not walking with God. Manifesting God. Top priority of our church should be not how many people we all have coffee with. That, that's nice. I was joking with you. You guys chat and have coffee in this church. I'm, I'm not saying that because of that discussion. This is, okay. But our top priority is we want, we want our leaders walking in the presence of God. Amen? Now, what happened? What happened when this got into place? We read it in the end of the last session. Verse 4, we will give ourselves continually to prayer and the ministry of the word. Okay, verse 5, people were happy with that. They chose the different, different seven. Laid hands on them, prayed for them, laid hands on them. What happened in verse 7? Then the word of God spread. It's just because the seven? No, it's the, everything we've just covered. Now, they chose the seven to release the apostles to properly do what they needed to do. So when the apostles were properly doing what they could do without the distraction, then what happened? The word of God began to spread mightily. It's not just natural factors that causes the word of God to spread mightily. It takes people who are walking in the presence of God, walking in prayer and walking in the word of God. There's a lot that we're trying to do. There's a lot that often people are trying to make happen in churches in the natural. And we end up banging your head against the wall. You can read all the books you want to on church growth and how to make this happen and how to do this and how to have the perfect praise and worship team and how to have this. And you can have everything polished and everything in position and nothing work. And no growth and no multiplication and no power from the word of God coming if the one thing we need the most is not happening properly. It's good to have good teaching on a Sunday morning, but what's going to produce ministers being able to function like that? Walking with God through the week. The apostles didn't say we must give ourselves to the word on a Saturday because we've got to prepare our Sunday sermon. They said we must give ourselves continually. Continually. I didn't intend to get to most of this. I'm still trying to actually get to the but I intended to get to. But we'll get there. This is, this is part of the build-up to, to this. Okay. We'll give ourselves continually. You know, sometimes, yeah, sometimes people think if you're a minister and you spend all your day praying and spending your time in the Word, I, I've heard people say, oh, that's a cushy job. You might, I'd love to do that. You lazy, you spend time in the Word. The rest of us have to go and work. I'm like, have you ever, how many here has ever done a, like a, a, an intensive course for two years or three years? 
and you study, 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 study. And by the end of your three years, you don't ever want to study again. Don't tell me studying on a living on a constant basis is easy. We've all done courses. After three, I've heard people come to Bible school. Oh, I'm so fed up with studying now. I'm done with studying. I'm never going to study again. Now you imagine having to do that as a lifestyle for the rest of your life. That's what a minister is supposed to do. Not just three years in a Bible school. You're supposed to live that. That is not easy. Your flesh doesn't like that. Sometimes you're like, no, I really do want to. I, I, would, I would rather go spend the whole day in the office. Please, I want to go spend the day in the office and just talk to church people. I had enough studying. I had enough time. I've, I've, my mind just doesn't want to study anymore. I've looked up enough Greek words. I've meditated in the word enough. Please, I just want to go have coffee with people. You know, that's my role. That's what I got to do. <coughs> Please, I prayed two hours, three hours, four. I did it yesterday. I did it the day before. I did it the day before. I did it the last week, the last six weeks. I don't want to do it anymore. Please, I'd rather just go and play football with all the church people. That's a lot easier to go and spend a day in the office. What's a minister called to? Walk close with God on a day basis. If we want things moving and flowing in the church, it ought to become important that that's what we're aiming for. Amen? So don't tell me it's a lazy laugh. <laughs> it's not a lazy laugh. It's a laugh of putting your flesh down and a laugh of discipline. When it would be a lot nicer to go and do all the other things. But no, I've got to get in the Word. I've got time in the Word to do. That's my priority. What did you do all day? I spent time in the Word. Oh, wow, what a lovely, easy life. No, it wasn't as easy as you thought it was. The entire time, my flesh didn't want to do it. <laughs> okay? See what I'm saying? But what began to happen? Now, this is where I was trying to say. What began to happen? Verse 7. And the Word of God spread. And the number of the disciples multiplied. That's what we talked about last time. But now we're taking a little bit of a step back to look at the connections here. Is it because they had a great church conference on how to grow churches? Now, this is, we, we've invented all of this later on. Again, please, uh, you know, if you really want to do a church growth conference, I don't have a problem. With that. Don't go and do your church growth concert, conference as long as it's word based. But they didn't need to do church growth conferences, they were too busy growing to do church growth conferences. Why? Because it wasn't all the natural factors. Do you see that? The word of God spread and the number of disciples multiplied. That, that word where it says the word of God spread, the word spread there, I said this in the, in the previous session. Let me move down in my notes to actually where I am now because I've been preaching away without the, the word spread there it's the word oxana and it means to grow to enlarge to increase to become greater what what became greater what enlarged what spread the word not just the spirit the word let's look at a couple of other scriptures acts chapter 12 I want you to capture this the Word of God never stops being a priority. 
I was thinking about this. Some of you might have heard the prophecy. Now, we, you know, we don't build everything on prophecies. We build on the word. However, if a prophecy bears out and with the witness of the Spirit and we believe it's right, then we believe it's coming from God. Amen? And I do believe God does speak through prophecies. But, you know, many times, how many of you have heard the prophecy Smith Wigglesworth prophesied? And, and to summarize it, he talked about how there would be a move of the Spirit. Then there would be a move of the Word. Then there would be a move of the Word and the Spirit. I thought about it. Which, in the prophecy, now obviously he was talking at a particular time in history, so there have been things happened before, but he was talking about what was coming. And he said there's going to be a move of, which one, which one did he say first? The Spirit. Okay. Then he said there's going to be a move of the Word. That's interesting. He didn't say there was going to be a move of the Spirit and then there was going to be a move of the Word and the Spirit. You get the impression from that prophecy the move of the Spirit was going to taper down and then the move of the Word. Those Word churches don't have much move of the Spirit. Yeah, listen to what was prophesied. Yeah? Then he said, after the move of the word, there was going to be move of the word and the spirit. In other words, the move of the word, once it started, was not supposed to stop. He indicated the word of the, the move of the spirit might will taper down and then it'll flare back up again once the word levels got up to the right place. He never said there's going to be a move of the word, then the word's going to stop, and then we'll have a great move of the spirit. Because we all got tired of the word and we threw the word out and we said, we've had enough teaching in this place. And then we thought a little while later, oh, let's go back to teaching. That's not how the prophecy went. That's how a lot of Christians think. Okay, we don't build things on prophecy, but do you see what I'm saying? The indication was once the move of the word starts, it doesn't stop. Only the move of the spirit gets added on top of the move of the, the word. The move of the, the move of the spirit gets added on top of the move of the word. Yeah. A lot of Christians these days who've got the word are throwing the word out because they're bored with it and trying to get the moving spirit functioning again. Missing the plot. At no point did God say throw the word out and get the spirit back moving again. He said, yes, get the spirit moving, but keep on with what you've got from the word. Do you see what I'm trying to point out? Why? God intended that once he got the word back into the church the way it's supposed to be, because the word wasn't functioning in the church the way it was supposed to be before. That was there in dribs and drabs. But once he got the word functioning back in the church the way it was supposed to be, it was never supposed to taper off again. Unfortunately, we have tapered it off. Not necessarily here, but as a, as a lot. A lot, of, a lot of word Christians have walked away from the word because they're seeking other things now. Once God gets the word in, he said, there ain't any going back from the word. You start getting going back from the word, you're going to be moving out of, the, out of what God's trying to do. The church in Acts was a word church and a spirit church. 
What did, the, what did the apostles say? We must give ourselves continually to the word. Sorry, we mustn't leave the word to serve tables. We must give ourselves to prayer and the word. But the word, they repeated twice in that passage. Prayer, they only said once. <laughs> Why? If we want the church in the book of Acts functioning right, we've got to, we've got to, we've got to grab properly once and for all, and stick with what it is to be a word-based people. Are you seeing what I'm saying here? You're getting this. Acts 12, verse 24. Here's a, a repeat. Remember what I said, when God keeps repeating something, it, it, it's, it's significant. Acts 12, 24. But the word of God grew and multiplied. You see that? We saw that in Acts 6. This is 12, this is, well, Acts 6, this is six chapters later. This is a number of years later. There's still a, the, the, the church is still a word, word, word flowing church in Acts. Which chapter in Acts does it say? Well, they got bored with that because they've been a word church for 20 years now. They thought they'd stop being a word church. It doesn't. Do you realize 30, 28 chapters, I mean, almost 30, 28 chapters of Acts for us might be a 20-minute read. For them, this was years. First 10 chapters of Acts is about 10 years. And then from Acts 13, you've got the entire ministry of Paul when he starts off as a young junior minister just getting saved, going through three missionary journeys which didn't take three weeks because he didn't have a Concorde and a car and whatever. He, a lot of that was on foot and donkey and, you know, that's how it took months to travel across. And some of the places he stayed, I can't remember all the lengths of time, Ephesus and Corinth, one year, three years. Do you realize years goes past in Acts? At what point did they stop being a word-based church? They didn't. Look at, look at, Acts, uh, let me find the other one, Acts 19. <coughs> I'll say some things about the word of God in a minute in closing. We, we've got to refire our passion for the word. The word that got stirred up in the church through teachers, even in the 1970s, 80s and stuff like that, has tapered off in many Christians' lives because they got bored with it. And they think we need other things now. Remember, our thoughts are not God's thoughts. His thoughts are not our thoughts. Just because we thought we need other things now doesn't mean God was releasing them onto other things now. They were getting distracted because of an enemy that was trying to get them off the word. At no point did God say, well, I, I gave you all this teaching. Now throw the teaching aside. Let's get on to other things. No. It's never a point we throw the teaching aside. The teaching was brought back into the church because it was then supposed to stay solid and central in the church, functioning in that central place. Acts 19 and verse 20. Again, this is, this is, this is not Acts 19. This is 13 chapters later, which is years after Acts 6. Acts 19.20, so the word of the Lord grew mightily 
and prevailed. Now, if Acts 6 and Acts 19, if we did it on the basis of one chapter a year, again, I don't know, I think this is actually more than 13 years later, this, would, this could potentially be 10, 13, 15, 20 years after Acts 6. You put that in the modern church, you go from the 1970s to the 1990s, 20 years, and you find a tapering off of the word, not an increasing of the word. They are maintaining the word at high level. And the word is continually growing, 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 moving forward, growing. Why? This is the kind of church that God ordains. It's not a tapering off church where they've had their teaching. They didn't say in Acts chapter 6, well, guys, we've had teaching now all the way since Acts 2, Acts 2, Acts 3, Acts 4, 5, 6. Let's get it. Let's, let's raise up someone who can just forget about teaching and let's do all the other stuff. No, they kept the word central, focused. The word of the Lord grew. Let me give you some of these things. It says grew mightily. That word mightily, it's, it's the Greek word kratos, kratos. My pronunciation isn't the best. But it means dominion, might. It talks about something having dominion or mighty, a, a work of ruling power, we might say, ruling authority. So the word was growing mightily. It was growing to a way where the word was having dominion and ruling. Not weakening. Ever increasing. The word by now, this is the, out of all the ones we read, Acts 6, Acts 12, sorry, Acts 6, Acts 12, yeah, and Acts 19, it's the last one of the three that talks about it having dominion. The word's taking a place of complete dominion and rulership. That sounds like a central position. And it grew mightily. In other words, it's, it's kretos, it's ruling dominion and authority. And the word prevailed there means to be able. To, to have the strength, power, and ability to overcome. That word means force. It's isku. For those who, who like the Greek word. So the word grew, the word increased, that word grew is the same word, increased, expand, increased and expanded to the place of dominion to where the word was able and took, took control. Interesting, it doesn't say the spirit, it's the word. Backs, backs 19. Does the word have the power to do this? Does is there power contained in the word of God? Does the word of God have the power to increase and expand and completely take over in a situation? It does. This is why the enemy wants to push the word aside. Because the word actually, this is why Jesus said, we're going back to what I said at the, the end of the last one, we'll remind you at the end of this one. It's why Jesus talks about the sower sows the word. The word is a seed. Why? A seed contains within it power to expand and to take over. You plant the right seed in, 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 a, in a pot, that plant will take over the pot. Certain seeds have power to, to, to rise to take over. 
Let's go to Isaiah 55 in closing. Isaiah 55. There is never a time that we just cast the word aside because we want all the other things. This, this, this is one of the mistakes a lot of Christians are making, and I'm going to say it. How many of you understand that as, as a child, children don't always know what's good for them? And they don't always know what they need to eat. And they often want to cast aside what they need to eat because of what they want. This is unfortunately the state of the body of Christ. It's unfortunately the state of a lot of Christians. They're casting aside their spinach, their Brussels sprouts, their peas, their carrots for the chocolate. The, the fun stuff, the feel-good stuff. We want the exciting stuff. Eat your vegetables. No, we don't want our vegetables. <laughs> how, many, how many of you have had trouble, you know, you, you may be having trouble giving, giving a child's spinach to eat, and he keeps, no, I don't want the spinach. I want the chocolate. Now, maybe, you know, some children will happily eat spinach. I don't know. But you understand the point I'm making. Whereas you as an adult know what they need. Paul even talked about in the last times people have itching ears. Yeah. They'll, why? What's the point of that passage? They'll throw aside things that they need to be hearing because of what they want to be hearing. Yeah. We are in that generation. That's why... In order for this country to for things to happen in this country the way they need to be done, we've got to very hold strongly hold fast to the position on the teaching of the word. Stronger than we ever have. Because I believe the word of God has the power to rise to dominion and have and and and, and, and do what it needs to do. Isaiah 55, verse 8. I quoted it, but I want to just go on to the rest. For as my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Then he goes on in verse 10 to give an illustration. For as the rain comes down, and the snow from heaven, and do not return there, but water the earth, and make it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. Verse 11, so shall my word be. Now we often quote verse 11, so shall my word be that goes forth out of my mouth, it shall not return to me void. But the phrase, so shall my word be, is linked to the pre previous, you understand, it's grammatical. In other words, in the same way my word shall be. So shall my word be. He doesn't just start a sentence. So shall my word be. I'll say, well, so, so as it, so what? <laughs> like what? You've got to follow the illustration. He, verse 10 is giving us insight into something about the word of God. And if you can really grab this, you'll, you'll understand. 
The word of God is what's needed in, in so many situations in your own life. And then they say 10 and go to 11. And actually verse 10, thoughts are not my thoughts, are his ways. And then they'll jump and say, so shall my word be. Very, very, very few quote verse 10. What's the illustration in verse 10? Let's read it. For as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven, what's the rain? What's the rain? He's not talking about the Holy Spirit here, is he? Often people think about the Holy Spirit as the rain. For as the rain. So the subject of verse 10 is the rain. And the effect, or, or rain and snow. I'm just going to say rain for now, just instead of saying rain and snow every time, yeah? He says rain and snow, but really snow is just frozen rain. Still to say, it's still water. As the rain comes down and the snow, so the subject of verse 10 is the introduction of the rain into an environment. And what the rain will do, everything after that is what the rain does. And then when he says in verse 11, so shall my word be, he's saying my, my word will have the same effect the rain had that I've just explained to you in the previous verse. So the, the, the word and the rain are the two subjects of, these, of this, these passages. For as the rain comes down, let's read it, and, and, and the snow from heaven, and do not return there, but water the earth. About you, but, you know, well, I do know about you. I grew up in Africa. I know most of you didn't. My younger years anyway. Not all my years, but but I remember, I remember. You know, it's funny in Africa. Africa, when they talk about a drought, they mean they haven't had rain for seven years. Okay, not not three months. In England, if you have, if, if it's three months, we've got a drought. Okay, in, in Africa, when they talk about a drought, they you you imagine the Thames River drying up. Then you're talking drought. Okay, they have massive rivers that are a mile wide, dry, gone, no river there anymore. Then they start talking about drought. Okay, but but how many of you have ever seen those nature nature programs where they go through the different seasons, like David Attenborough or something? You know, you're fucking with nature person, and they'll they'll show the dry season in Africa, and in the dry season, you, you suddenly you know there's no rain, and everything's dry. That's what's called the dry season. Hints in the name. Um, and you see skulls everywhere. You see dead animals. You see all these starving animals. You see, and they show, you know, the, the, this, this animal desperately trying to find water and it just can't and it's hobbling along. And you, you always think, cameraman, why don't you just give him some water, you know? But they don't anyway. You know, that's aside from the thought. But they show the rivers drying up and they show everything drying, no, nothing producing, nothing happening. Because the dry, the dry season is exactly that. It's, it's a lifeless dry season. You ever seen these nature programs? And then the rainy season arrives. Now, how many of you know they usually, do you remember, they speed it up. And suddenly it's like rain and clouds go. And, and you know it took like a few weeks to happen, but they speed it up for the camera. And it all happens over a few minutes. And suddenly you go from this dry, dead environment to an environment where there's life everywhere. I remember one, all the monkeys are drunk because they're eating fermented fruit and 
you know, all these different things. Life is happening everywhere. Only one thing changed that caused all of that. What changed? The rain arrived. If you hadn't introduced the rain, none of the rest of it would have happened. The difference between the dry season and the rainy season is the rain. And this is what he's trying to tell us here. Capture this. The introduction of the rain had the power to force the earth to start producing. No matter how dry the earth was, when you introduce rain into that environment, it'll force production. That's what he says. Notice these words. As the rain comes down and the snow from heaven and do not return, but water the earth, now notice this, and make it bring forth and bud. Does that sound like the rain gives the earth the option whether it wants to bring forth and bud? He says, make it bring forth and bud. In other words, the rain forces the earth into production. Starts making that production happen. Rain has the power to force dry ground into production. Doesn't matter how dry it is. Doesn't matter how barren it is. Doesn't matter how lifeless it was up until then. Once you introduce the rain, what happens? It starts to force production and, and starts forcing life to start appearing. What, what's he telling you? This is the power of my word. So shall my word be. In the same way that the rain was able to force the earth and force dry ground into production and start making the, 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 the earth bring forth and bud. In other words, make the earth produce fruit. So shall my word be. My word has the power to force things to produce in your life. Now, I'm running out of time, so I've just covered that a little bit earlier, and I need to finish now. But I wanted to get that bit out. That's why he says, so shall my word be that goes forth out of my mouth. It shall not return to me void. Void means it's not producing something. He says, my word will not not produce. He's just told you it, it's like the rain that forces things to produce when he introduces his word into an environment. It forces production. But what if I, what if I want things to start producing in my life? What if I need healing? What if I need things, to, the, things from God to start producing in my life? Keep putting the word in. The word has the power to produce. <coughs> and when, you, when we give the word of God the proper place that it's supposed to have, it'll have the power to produce and force itself into a position of dominance like it did in Acts. The enemy does not want this. The enemy doesn't matter, doesn't matter if we're doing a hundred and one other things as a church. As long as we keep casting the word aside. And drifting off onto other things. Amen? Anyway, we're out of time. I hope you've got something out of today. Hope you've been stirred in some areas.
especially keep in front of you. Stir yourself up about multiplication and God's a God of increase. And put your word and your faith on multiplying. Don't, don't get satisfied with anything less. And second of all, really stir yourself up in getting back into the word like you've never gotten into the word before. Don't drift off that. If you want the results produced in your life, pull yourself back on. And someone says, well, I have been doing that. Then keep doing it. It'll well produce. Amen? Bless you all. Have a wonderful day. Enjoy some sunshine. And we will see you all again soon.